America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is The Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Remember that uh, famous Chinese spy balloon? Well, there's another unidentified object which just got shot down. Uh, this is not a joke. It uh, is a serious matter. They were just talking about it at the White House press briefing this morning. Uh, we will get to that. Speaking of unidentified flying objects, there's a great deal more from the great pretender. Uh, that would be George Santos. Remember him? More about his background, more about his present, more about his future and some of his legal entanglements. And a brand new lie about a fellow member of Congress. And the question is, who are you going to believe? Uh, are you going to believe George Santos or are you going to believe Kirsten Sinema? Uh, what, what happened here? Uh, we will get to that as well on the Medved Show. There are a bunch of movies, including a star-studded romantic comedy featuring uh, Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. But is it worth seeing at all? We will get to that uh, later today. Okay, first up, the uh, Pentagon uh, acknowledged, and this is from the New York Times, that it downed an unidentified object over Alaska on Friday, today. It's about an hour and a half ago they knocked this thing out of the sky, whatever it is. This was at the direct order of President Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., According to White House officials, John Kirby, a uh, White House spokesman on defense matters, confirmed the incident at a news conference today. U.S. officials said it was not confirmed if the object was a balloon, but it was traveling at an altitude that made it a potential threat to civilian aircraft. It was traveling at about 40,000 feet, and most airplanes... Civilian aircraft uh, are traveling between 30,000 and 40,000 feet. So this is a problem. The uh, Mr. Biden ordered the unidentified object down out of an abundance of caution, Mr. Kirby said. He said the object was shot down over waters off the coast of Alaska. Uh, Mr. Kirby said the object was traveling at 40,000 feet. He said officials were describing it as an object because that was the best description they had of it. In other words, we have no idea what this thing was. And uh, is it entirely possible that it is uh, another part of the Chinese armada of uh, spy balloons? We are now told that, uh, and, and again, this seems to be accepted on all quarters, that the Chinese have been sending these balloons for many years and uh, that they have uh, drifted over snapping photos, uh, mining for information, uh, five different continents in the world, including South America, including Australia, apparently. Uh, we will get to uh, more of that. There is this uh, statement with uh, John Kirby over at the White House being asked about the message that was being sent to other nations uh, by the 
uh, quick action on the aircraft over the skies of Alaska. Listen. From, from the White House podium, do you have a message for whoever uh, is responsible for this aircraft or anyone who may have similar aircraft about uh, what the White House is uh, I, I, Rather than sending some sort of message in that way, I, I would just tell you that we're going to remain vigilant about uh, our airspace. We're going to remain vigilant about the skies over the United States. And as I said earlier, um, the, the president takes his obligations to protect our national security interests and those of, and the safety and security of the American people uh, is paramount. And he's always going to make, he's always going to decide and act in a way that is commensurate with that duty. Um, that's, that's the real takeaway here. Okay. Uh, and the other real takeaway, which is, unquestionably going to be the case whether it's acknowledged by John Kirby or the White House or anyone else is that uh, they are regretting the fact that they uh, took the original weather balloon the original spy balloon that they took that entire story less seriously than they should have uh, there were ardent Republican calls for shoot it down, shoot it down, shoot it down. The fact that they had to wait before it had traversed the entire country, presumably mining information of some kind all the way, that uh, that's, that's all extraordinary. Uh, this also relates to uh, what, uh, what happened today uh, concerning uh, congressional hearings on the spy balloon and President Biden being asked about it earlier today. He um, basically had uh, this to say. He appeared on Telemundo, the uh, leading Spanish language network in the country. Here's President Biden, clip four. The total amount of uh, intelligence gatherings going on by every country around the world is overwhelming. And the idea that a balloon could traverse, uh, break American airspace is, uh, anyway, it's, it's not a major breach. I mean, look, it's totally, it's a violation of international law. It's our airspace. And once it comes in our space, we can do what we want with it. Okay. And there's actually a statement going on right now with a Brigadier General Pat Ryder about the most recent incident. Listen. The operation with assistance from the Alaska Air National Guard, Federal Aviation Administration, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation. We have no further details about the object at this time, including any description of its capabilities, purpose, or origin. The object was about the size of a small car, so not similar in size or shape to the high-altitude surveillance balloon that was taken down off the coast of South Carolina on February 4. Separately, U.S. Northern Command continues their recovery operations in support of the recent takedown of the Chinese high-altitude surveillance balloon. Recovery teams have mapped the debris field and are in the process of searching for and identifying debris on the ocean floor. Debris that's been recovered so far is being loaded onto vessels, taken ashore, cataloged, and then moved onwards to labs for subsequent analysis. And while I won't go into specifics due to classification reasons, I can say that we have located a significant amount of debris so far that will prove helpful to our further understanding of this balloon and its surveillance capabilities. 
of note, uh, due to less than favorable sea states right now, teams will continue to conduct underwater survey and recovery as conditions permit. The department wants to thank our interagency partners from the U.S. Coast Guard, the FBI, and state and local authorities for their continuing assistance and partnership. Uh, in other news, and, and I think this is important, uh, that we remember uh, a lot of folks and uh, people in Turkey and Syria right now are, are suffering. Uh, we want to, again, express our support for the people of Turkey and Syria as they respond to the deadly earthquakes that struck there earlier this week. Okay, uh, that um, was uh, uh, Brigadier General uh, Pat Ryder, who's a spokesman for the Pentagon. And uh, the interesting thing is he's talking about them digging out all kinds of refuse and debris left over from the high-altitude spy balloon, uh, which was shot down. Uh, here, it sounds like what well, we're here from the Pentagon they shot something down, and they have no idea what it was. It, it, it was the size of a small car, they're saying. Very different from the previous balloon. Uh, there will be more coming up. We will get you right to it. Uh, also, more on the great pretender, George Santos, and uh, upcoming expectations for the election. Coming up on the Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. Now's the time to join the millions of Americans who have changed the... scoff at the press constantly, and they usually deserve it. But uh, there was a reporter, female reporter, I don't know who it was, because you don't see the reporters at all. You're just, uh, the way they're focusing the current press briefing at, uh, I believe it's at the Pentagon, actually. It's, uh, yeah, it is at the Pentagon. This is with uh, Brigadier General Ryder, who uh, is a spokesperson. He was asked a terrific question. A great question, which is, okay, uh, you didn't even know what this thing was. You have no idea what shape it was. You have a general sense of the size, and boom, you shoot it out of the sky. I don't even know if there was, were human beings inside it. I mean, who, who knows? Uh, and, okay, but what the reporter asked was, Okay, you shot this down so quickly as soon as it came over American airspace, but you didn't shoot down the previous surveillance balloon uh, that uh, was identified as Chinese, and you knew a great deal more about it. Why the difference? Why did you act, act uh, so much more promptly and decisively with President Biden's order to shoot this object down? A general Ryder said this in a response. So you have to look at each individual case on its own merits. In this particular case, uh, given the fact that it was operating at an altitude that posed a reasonable threat to civilian uh, air traffic, the determination was made and the president gave the order to take it down. 
Was there a specific threat, a, a specific civilian air traffic incident that could have happened? Again, uh, as you well know, civilian aircraft operate, you know, at a, at a variety of ranges up to 40 to 45,000 feet. So again, there was a reasonable concern that this could present, uh, present uh, a threat to or a potential hazard to civilian air traffic. Okay, I, I, I'm sure that's true. And as somebody who is a fairly frequent user of uh, civilian air traffic, I, I appreciate the fact that uh, we're not going to run into some kind of mysterious object uh, over the sky when I'm traveling next week. I mean, it, okay, glad that that won't happen. But doesn't everybody know that the reason that this was shot down so quickly is so that the administration wouldn't look bad? In other words, I think they were fairly determined that it wasn't going to be dangerous to shoot something down. It wasn't going to explode with radiation or an electromagnetic pulse or something like that. And did they really believe this was a danger to anything other than civilian air traffic because it was flying at 40,000 feet as opposed to the 60,000 feet that the Chinese uh, spy balloon was flying. Uh, this is all, doesn't it seem mad that things are just kooky and going wrong? And uh, there was Joe Biden who was beginning to say something on Telemundo, then thought better of it, and uh, basically, uh, and and then he was also asked the other big question concerning Joe Biden, which has not much to do with the balloons. It's about whether it's safe to assume that given his feisty speech for the State of the Union, that he's full out running for president for re-election. That certainly appears to be the impression that he conveyed. But he was asked about that, and here was the president's response, clip three. Multiple times that you have a, an intention to run for re-election, but you haven't made the decision yet. What's stopping you from making that decision? I'm just not ready to make it. The, there's no, no motive behind that? No. How, how do you win Democrats again? Many of them are concerned about your age. Well, that's not what I hear. That's not, look, do you know any polling is accurate these days? You all told me that there's no way we were going to do well in this off-year election. I told you from the beginning we were going to do well. You all told me I couldn't win my, in the general election. We did well. I feel good about where we are. I feel good about the way things are. And I feel good about the reception I get. And uh, I think it's awful difficult to... Uh, poll these days you know you guys i'm not don't hold me the number but i think you have to something make like 51 calls to get one call through and ask what ask any pollster how accurate they think their polling is yeah but look it may be that you know i run and i get clobbered and if i run i win i mean that's not my motive that's not the base upon which i make the, the judgment okay uh what what is the basis on which he makes the judgment uh, i would assume it's uh, attempting to help the country. That's what uh, the president should say. It's what he should have in mind. And um, again, uh, the idea that uh, he goes here immediately to challenging polls, which, which haven't been that decisive or clear. The polls do show him losing to DeSantis if DeSantis is the nominee, and they show him running 
uh, pretty much within the margin of error against Trump, with a little edge to Trump, but but not much. The uh, the question that people was at were asking about him being too old. Uh, he says that's not what he's been hearing. Uh, maybe he has a hearing problem too, <laughs> because uh, even even leading Democrats, even people who are enthusiastic about Joe Biden and his service so far wonder about the idea of a president who's 86 years old at the end of his term, if he wins another term. Uh, there was a Senate hearing on the spy balloon. John Tester, who's one of the most endangered senators, he's a senator from Montana, and he's up for re-election. He hasn't said yet whether he's actually going to run for re-election. But he was questioning a defense official, Senator Tester, Democrat, about the incident of the spy balloon, clip three. I want to know if we knew what the Chinese were trying to collect with that balloon, with that reconnaissance balloon. Did you want to yeah, Senator, um, thanks for the question. We can probably get into details more in the classified setting. You can just say yes or no. Sir, I, uh, you don't need to get into specifics. Just did we know what they're trying to collect, yes or no? Yes, sir. We understand that it, it, this is a broader uh, part of a broader suite of operations that China is undertaking. So we we knew what they were looking for. Uh, sir, we I, I think we should talk about this uh, more explicitly in the classified session. But yes, sir, we understand that this is part of the broader suite of operations that, that, that China is undertaking to try and get okay. better understanding of U.S. Uh, uh, I got it. Sir. I mean, there's all sorts of suites of operations we have with what's going on in outer space and everything. But the question is, did we know what that balloon was trying to gather? Do we know what information it was trying to gather from the United States? It didn't fly over us by accident. It was intentional. Do we know what the Chinese communist government was looking for? Senator, we have some very good guesses about that. Uh, and we are learning more as we exploit the contents of the balloon and the payload itself. Okay. Okay. And... Uh... And there's a, another issue that was raised by Senator Ron Johnson, newly reelected conservative Republican senator from Wisconsin. And he made a, a good point that is pertinent to that answer we just heard and much more in the news, including missing documents at the vice president's home. There being uh, subpoenas coming to the vice president, by the way, the former vice president, Mike Pence. We'll be talking to Jonathan Allen of NBC about the impact of the State of the Union and the way that sets up this battle for 2024. Coming up. Do you ever get the feeling that the world... Medved Show, a great pleasure to uh, welcome back to the show Jonathan Allen, uh, chief political correspondent, senior political correspondent for NBC Network, the author of the best-selling book Lucky about the Joe Biden campaign, uh, the first Joe Biden campaign. Actually, it wasn't the first. It was the third. Uh, will there be a fourth campaign? Is the State of the Union address uh, provide evidence of that? Uh, Jonathan, first of all, the the one big mystery to me is why do you think it was that the audience for Joe Biden's speech on Tuesday night was so disappointingly small? It was the second lowest audience of the last 30 years with State of the Union addresses. 
Why? I think the the big thing is that Joe Biden's uh, oratory isn't exactly soaring uh, as a general rule. I think that uh, you know most Americans um, don't don't think to themselves, "Wow, what do I want to do on a Tuesday night?" I'd really like to listen to Joe Biden for an hour plus. I, you know, there's obviously some people who want to listen to him in particular. There are people who want to know what the president generally thinks of the State of the Union, um, you know, in the millions of people. But, um, you know, one of the things Biden promised uh, when he was campaigning is that you wouldn't think about the president every minute of every day. And, um, you know, that's one of those one of those uh, promises that he has definitely kept. And, you know, it's, he's just not um, – historically not the most scintillating speaker, uh, especially following, you know, Donald Trump, who people watched because you never knew what he was going to say, among other things, um, and Barack Obama, who, um, you know, has a particular gift for um, for those big speeches. Uh, you know, it's a, you know, a little bit of a, 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 you know, for lack of a better term, theatrical letdown. There was a, there was a political cartoon uh, in the Seattle Times today by David Horsey, Pulitzer Prize winning political cartoonist, and uh, it showed um, uh, Biden in a forest uh, with some felled lumber, something people are familiar with up here in the Northwest. And Biden speaking at a podium, he says, "Well, what's the good uh, uh, about delivering a strong speech?" If uh, nobody is going to be listening to hear it fall, and uh, there there was a sense that uh, do you, that he had put a lot into the speech. He seemed to be very energetic. Feisty was a word that kept coming to mind to me. Uh, is he going to be helped by this in the long run? You think? Yeah, I thought there was one moment that really was helpful to him, and it wasn't because of something he said. Uh, but when he was interrupted by uh, by some of the Republican members uh, when he talked about Social Security and Medicare, uh, accusing them of wanting to eliminate those programs or pair them back, and they yelled that he was lying. And of course, there's you know a handful of Republicans who have you know proposals out there. Rick Scott has a proposal out there or had a proposal out there um, that would sunset those programs. Um, getting away from the substance of it, um, you know who's right on that or whatever. Uh, the fact that he was capable of going back and forth with them a little bit, um, sort of responding in the moment to them, uh, is a dimension of Joe Biden that we don't see a lot of. What we see is him giving speeches on teleprompters, and we see criticism uh, that he's not very good at it um, and that it seems like he's lost sometimes or difficult to understand um, at, at other times. And what you saw in this moment was a guy who was, you know, relatively light on his feet. Um, and, and I think that's something uh, that as you watch to, to see him probably announce in the next election campaign, how much his team uh, lets him or how much he demands uh, to get out there and interact with people in ways that show uh, that he's got some mental dexterity. Well, so what you're suggesting is basically you should invite Lauren Boebert and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene to go on tour with him. Um, but I, <laughs> well, I'm not I, I do think that that might be helpful to him because if nothing else, the president always looks like the adult in the room when he's being heckled in Congress. Yeah, and it, <laughs> which is which is is not a good look really for anybody. It's not a good look for the country. Uh, okay, in terms of uh, Biden's careful rescheduling of the primary season. Uh, 
uh, with South Carolina going first is, first of all, is is there any doubt that the Democrats will end up putting uh, South Carolina as the first primary and then what is it they put Nevada and New Hampshire as second? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's no, no real, there's no doubt that that's, uh, that that's the plan for this, uh, for this election cycle where there, there's not, it's not clear that there's going to actually be a primary. So they've got, uh, South Carolina, then Nevada and New Hampshire. And then in the early window, they also have, uh, Michigan and Georgia. Um, and you know, so I think the big statement about that, there's been a lot of speculation about why is he rewarding South Carolina for helping him last time? Or rewarding Jim Clyburn, the congressman from South Carolina who helped him. And I think the real answer is the, the most obvious one, which is uh, South Carolina is what resurrected Joe Biden's campaign. And it's not a thank you to South Carolina. It's Joe Biden telling anybody who might run against him in a Democratic primary that if they want the nomination, they're going to have to come to his home turf first. And it's not his actual home, but basically the political home of his victory. Yeah, that I, I, and that seems to me very clear. Well, what's interesting to me about it is that uh, today some of the big news, and it's everywhere, is Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, very popular governor of New Hampshire, very impressive guy, uh, is um, talking about making a race for the Republican nomination. And given his popularity, if New Hampshire uh, is first... Wouldn't that be a, a powerful launch for the Sununu campaign? Isn't he a likely winner in his home state where he just won the governorship by 15 points? Yeah, I mean, I, it, the Democrats changing their schedule and dropping Iowa doesn't mean that the Republicans will drop Iowa. So you'll, have, you'll still have the Iowa contest um, on the Republican side. But you make a good point. He is the home state governor and a, a relatively popular home state governor in, in New Hampshire. Um, I think it remains to be seen how strong he is in his home state, but it's certainly possible. I mean, you've, you've, you've lived long enough. I've lived long enough to have seen, um, you know, what used to be called favorite son candidates. Um, you know, the, the state basically, uh, you know, voting to nominate their, their own governor or one of their own senators. Um, you know, I think, I think he's a factor in a race in New Hampshire. I'm not sure how well he plays outside of New Hampshire in a Republican primary. Now, uh, by the way, it's just announced that Tim Scott is kicking off his Faith in America listening tour, uh, including placing ads in uh, key 2024 primary states. And uh, he he also has a home state advantage, but will probably be running against another South Carolinian, uh, Nikki Haley, who I think is actually going to be announcing her uh, her candidacy as due on the fifteenth of this month. Uh, in terms of um, where things stand right now, uh, do you think it is still likely that we are going to have a Trump versus Biden uh, election in November of next year? I would say that's the most likely of all the possible outcomes, but I don't, uh, you know, you'd, you'd have to do odds on it. I'm not sure that it's the, uh, I'm not sure that it's, you know, more than 50% likelihood, but I think if you laid out all of the various possible scenarios, that's the likeliest of them right now. And uh, uh, the, there are all kinds of indications in polling that the American people aren't thrilled about it. A majority of Democrats don't want Biden to run. 
and only about half of Republicans seem to want Trump to run. Um, but we will see, and uh, a lot of people will see by uh, taking a look at uh, the, the book uh, Lucky, which is about Biden's first campaign. One of the messages of that book clearly is uh, don't underestimate. Uh, and don't underestimate any opponent or the chance that, um, that, that Biden continues through to the finish line in next November. Uh, coming up, uh, more on the debates over unidentified. Michael Medved show the music of Pink Floyd and uh, Pink Floyd of course as the one of the principal artists uh, associated with that very popular band Roger Waters who has uh, inspired a great deal of controversy recently he um, um, most recently uh, yesterday he spoke to the UN and he spoke to the U.N. Security Council. He is not an expert on foreign affairs. He's a rock musician. And uh, he is someone who was uh, described by a former band partner on Pink Floyd as, quote, a Putin apologist and an anti-Semite. And uh, given his, his truly pathological hatred for Israel... His, uh, his claims for anti-Semitism do have some basis for them. He also talks about basically Jewish conspiracies to tilt the world in the direction of the Zionist hoodlums. Uh, okay, so he had the opportunity to address the United Nations. And he uh, had a, a unique perspective on uh, how the war between Russia and Ukraine began. And uh, we'll, I'll tell you after you listen to Roger Waters for a few moments how it is that he happened to speak to the U.N. because we have some information on that. Here he is. Universal human rights for all our brothers and sisters all over the world, irrespective of their ethnicity, religion, or nationality. To be clear... That would include, but would not be limited to, the right to life and property under the law. For instance, well, for instance, for Ukrainians. And, for instance, Palestinians. Let that sink in. Uh, and there's more. Uh, okay, basically, he... Um, uh, put forward the charge that uh, the war uh, and Russia's invasion was provoked by the West and by the Ukrainians. He, uh, he was invited to address the UN Security Council by Russia. And he called for a ceasefire, uh, condemned Russia's illegal invasion but also blame that invasion on the provocateurs in the West 
who he claimed were the ones responsible, not President Putin. Uh, Ukrainian Ambassador Sergei uh, Kisilsia called water speech another brick in the wall. Oh, there you go. Uh, ref- reference to a Pink Floyd song. Another brick in the wall of Russian disinformation. Uh, we have some more of Roger Waters. Okay, we can get some. But this is incredible because a couple of days ago, there was this whole um, back and forth. A USA Today reported it. Roger Waters has responded after a Pink Floyd lyricist called him anti-Semitic and a Putin apologist on Twitter. The accusations came from Polly Sampson, who was the wife of Pink Floyd guitarist David Gilmour, And uh, Polly Sampson is a lyricist for the band. Sadly, Roger Waters, you are anti-Semitic to your rotten core, Sampson wrote uh, on Monday. Also, you are a Putin apologist and a lying, thieving, hypocritical, tax-avoiding, lip-syncing, misogynistic, sick-with-envy megalomaniac. Enough of your nonsense. Well, tell... Tell us how you really feel. She gave all the good things about Roger Waters, right? And uh, then Roger Waters answered back to her. In response, his verified Twitter account released the following statement. Roger Waters is aware of the incendiary and wildly inaccurate comments made about him on Twitter by Polly Sampson, which he refutes entirely. He is currently taking advice as to his position. Uh, and then he gave the world advice, speaking before the UN Security Council. Listen. Please change course now. Agree to a ceasefire in Ukraine today. That, of course, will only be the starting point. But everything extrapolates from that starting point. Imagine the collective global sigh of relief, the outpouring of joy the international joining of voices in harmony, singing an anthem to peace. John Lennon pumping the air with his fist from the grave. We've finally been heard in the corridors of power. The bullies in the schoolyard have agreed to stop playing nuclear chicken. We're not all going to die in a nuclear holocaust after all. At least, not today. Okay, who, who was who was rising from the grave? Did he say Lennon? Who, John Lennon. Oh, John Lennon. <laughs> That's you're just talking about Russia. I, okay, I I understand. I thought Vladimir uh, Lenin would be pumping his fist from the grave because he was uh, uh, also uh, someone who was a Russian imperialist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I know they're spelled differently, but John and Vladimir Lenin don't have a great deal in common. Um, for people who struggle to take the UN seriously, uh, how, how does it work when you invite Roger Waters to address the UN Security Council? Isn't there? A, there's an American veto there. Can you veto someone? like that as a speaker for the UN Security Council. Um, in any event, uh, there you have it. The idea of a ceasefire and the idea that uh, somehow a general, that uh, President Zelensky 
is going to have to accept the dismantling of his country and not based on anything that Ukraine did or any Ukrainian assaults on, on, on Russia. And especially with a new, um, a new invasion coming in involving the 500,000 troops you've heard about and the 1,800 tanks, uh, this is uh, a, a, a very, very serious problem. We're going to be talking about another serious problem that uh, America experiences from coast to coast. And it's something that transcends politics. It's a problem of homelessness. There is a new effort by some, uh, and you don't want to say conservative thinkers because then it's instantly disregarded, but there's some people trying to think seriously and with fresh eyes uh, and, and understanding about homelessness and about a uh, connected problem and challenge that we face in this country, which is a challenge of the impact of drugs and drugs addiction. That's not, of course, only uh, the sole cause of homelessness, but certainly contributes. There is a new national action plan to fix homelessness with a, a national report saying how Congress can reform government's misguided homelessness policies. Uh, we will be getting to that in a few moments on the Michael Medved show. And then uh, we also have uh, another development, which is sports betting uh, on Super Bowl weekend, right? Uh, sports betting is running at, at a, an all-time high. It has increased tenfold in the last three years. And addiction experts fear the next opioid crisis. What does that mean? They think that uh, sports betting is going to make you more addicted to taking drugs to sustain your high from the bet? Uh, no, it's the idea that gambling is uh, extremely addictive behavior and uh, it, is, it is one of those things that people are looking at very seriously. There are several pieces on that issue. Also a challenge in the Wall Street Journal as to uh, the religious point of view for Christians and for Jews to uh, the idea of spending a great deal of time and risking a great deal of money on sports betting. Uh, we also have three movies, uh, all of them arguably romantic comedies, and uh, them coming out in time for Valentine's Day. We'll review them all with stars like Alison Brie and Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher and Rose Byrne and more. That coming up in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth. 